Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. invite you, even if you're at home, in your apartment, wherever you might be, to just put everything else aside. The Holy Spirit wants to bring life to you during our time together. And during our time together, if you'll open your heart, healings will take place. Okay? You don't need anyone to be in your home to lay hands on you. You just need to put your faith in Christ and realize what He's done for you. Just believe. What must we do to do the works uh, of God only believe, Jesus said. Believe on the one whom he sent. So during our time together, we want to encourage you to just block everything else out. Forget about all the stuff you need to do this week. Forget about the projects you're in the midst of or the bills that might need to be paid. Forget about what so-and-so said about you this week. And let's, let's just clear all that out and let's receive resurrection life from the Holy Spirit this morning, Okay. Would you join with me, everyone, and let's, let's go to the Father. Father, we're here this morning because you love us so much. We left our homes and we came to this place to receive life from you. You're the author of life. Christ, you came that we would have life and have it more abundantly to the full till it overflows. And who are we to argue with you? We receive your abundant life today. You are good and your mercy endures forever. You're a good, good Father. You're kind and benevolent and gracious in all your ways. And Father, you, you would never give a, a, a serpent to one of your children who asks for bread. You would never give a stone or, or you'd never do anything to hurt a person. You are love. You are good. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to illuminate Christ to us this morning. That we would see you as you are, not as man has described you, but as you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's time in your life to see Jesus as he is. Chances are that there, there have probably been some in your life who've described Jesus to you in a way that's really kind of distorted. Religious tradition has distorted pictures of Jesus. And that's what Satan would like. He'd like you to have a kind of a twisted picture of Jesus. So you don't know how much he loves you. So you can't be confident in life. So you can't stand against the things that come against you and take authority over them. So he wants to distort your picture of God, but Christ came so that your picture of God could be crystal clear. And you don't have to take my word for it. Read it for yourself. You have a hard copy Bible. If you don't, get yourself one for Easter. Get a hard copy Bible, one that actually has pages and ink and you can hold it in your hand. And open up to the New Testament and start reading the book of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Acts. 
and see for yourself how good God is. See him make blind eyes see. See him make deaf ears hear. See him raise people from the dead. See him make those who are maimed whole. Those who are lame leap and run and dance. That's the same Jesus that's in our midst this morning. He hasn't changed. The only thing that's changed is man's vision of him. Man has distorted the vision of Jesus, but he's the same. So when you step away from religious tradition and you begin reading the actual scriptures, the ministry of Jesus for yourself, you'll begin to get a a very clear picture of the goodness of God. There wasn't one person who came to Jesus who, who needed healing that he turned away and said, no, it's not my will to heal you. Not one. Why has that been preached in churches? Hello, it's Sunday morning, and we're talking about it. Why would a preacher ever preach such a thing? Because they have a distorted image of the real Jesus. I'm just being, I've, I've got, we've got our time together, and I don't have time to play games. I want you to taste the real Jesus. It's time to know the real Jesus. The one who came from the Father who doesn't play religious games or political games. You find for me, you go through yourself in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts in the ministry of Jesus, God in the flesh. You find one person that he told them that that God put that sickness on you to teach you something. You won't find one because it's not true. What kind of parent would do that to their child? You wouldn't. Why would you ever think God would? Good morning. Nice to meet you. It's Sunday morning, and I want you to experience resurrection life, but it's not going to happen if you're not willing to change your thinking. If you're going to cling to your religious tradition instead of embracing the real Jesus, you're you're cheating yourself. He wants to show himself to you, but you've got to give him a chance and open up your own Bible and read it for yourself. And if that means walking away from something you've been a part of for 30 years, you walk away from it. I don't have time to, to, to play fear of man games and try and pacify religious leaders. I've got to know Jesus. I've got to worship my Savior. I've got to do the things he did and greater things than these. Who said that? Jesus said that, right? Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He'll do even greater things than these. Where is that at? Does anyone know? Don't say in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Where in the Bible? The book of John, chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Get your hard copy Bible. Start painting a picture in your mind of the real Jesus with the Word of God. It will change every area of your life. It will remove every trace of fear from your life forever. You'll never be the same. You'll be full of confidence. You'll be full of a joy that is uh, beyond expression. You'll you'll have a peace inside of you that nothing in this world can take away. I've talked with lots of people over the last 12 months, and some people say, what a a great year 2020 was. And I'm one of those people. It was an awesome year. Why? Because I kept following Christ. I didn't get caught up in all the the political fear and all of the misinformation that was out there. Prior to that ever coming, I knew my God. I knew my Father. I knew His will. I knew His nature. I knew what He did for me through Jesus Christ. I had a great year. Then I talked to others and said it was just terrible. One of the worst years of my life. 
And I understand why they feel that way because I know what they were looking at. They were listening to the news. They were listening to all the, the, the fear reports. You can live that way if you want to, but there's a resurrection life for you if you'll listen to what God has to say. You won't have to be afraid anymore, and even though the world is locked down and afraid, you can be celebrating and moving forward in God's destiny for your life. Happy Easter. Hallelujah. This message this morning is simply called Resurrection Life. Resurrection life is life that can't be stopped. There is no equal to the resurrection life of Christ. It is, a, it is a, a powerful life that cannot be challenged. It is a life that is above every trace of darkness. It is a life that trumps in, in any, any opposition. It's the resurrection life of Christ. When we, when we study the resurrection in our hard copy Bibles... When we think of the resurrection, nothing against Peter Cottontail, but when we talk about the resurrection, we're not talking about Bunny Wabbits or Elmer Fudd. We're talking about God's plan for your life. God wants you to be resurrected into the person he made you to be. We've all died. Did you know that? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all blown it. We've all missed it. And that's why God sent His Son that we could be resurrected and live the life He purposed for us. You see, this holiday really isn't going to do you any good unless you know that the resurrection of Christ was for you. He didn't do it for himself. He never disobeyed his father. He had a perfect relationship with the father. He came to earth for us, and he did what he did for you. Do you know Jesus was not interested in, in becoming a religious icon? He wasn't interested in any statues being made of him. He wasn't interested in any paintings being done of him. He wasn't interested in a, in a holiday uh, in his name. He was interested in you being whole today. He was interested in you being whole, new, full of peace and moving forward in an intimate relationship with the one who made you. His goal was new life for you on April 4th in 2021. Nothing is more relevant to your life than the resurrection of Christ. Although it's a, a historic fact it's a right now reality that you desperately need. And that's what we're going to embrace during our time together. Let's start with Romans chapter 6, verse 4. In the New Testament, we have the book of Romans. We have Matthew, Mark, 
Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. Romans chapter 6, I think I said. Verse 4. It says, therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death. He's talking about those who put their faith in Christ. This is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the believers living in Rome. In order that as Christ was raised from the dead, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too, so that you today could be raised in your life by the glory of the Father, raised out of darkness and brought into life, raised out of sickness and brought into health, raised out of poverty and brought into wealth by the glory of the Father, that you too may walk in newness of life. Now, as I was praying about this Sunday, and I, 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 I'm just not the kind of guy that, that comes in with a, a purchased outline from a sermon subscription. I just like to ask the Holy Spirit what He wants to share on Sunday. And I happened to be uh, exercising at the time. I was treading water in the deep end of a swimming pool and, 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 and looking at the clock and praying. And uh, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about you. Isn't that wonderful? He'll speak to you while you're exercising if you listen. I've had some wonderful times with the Holy Spirit in all kinds of uh, different uh, settings in my life. And this is what he said, and I hope you're ready to be real. But he said, there are a lot of people that love me and are trying to follow me but they're trying to do it with their own wisdom and their own strength. And as a result, they're frustrated and they're tired. They're relying on their own reasoning, on their own talents, on their own resources, on their own abilities, instead of relying on me. And I believe he wanted me to encourage you on this Easter Sunday to begin living by faith. What does that mean? Well, some think that living by faith means you believe there is a God. That's not living by faith at all. Nothing could be more obvious than God. Just look in the mirror. And you can see that you are handcrafted in his image. So it takes no faith to believe there is a God. Can I say that again? It takes no faith to believe there is a God. It doesn't take any faith for me to believe that's a microphone. What does it take faith for? To know his true nature and will. To know that he is good. Because we're living in a fallen world and there are a lot of twisted pictures of God and Satan is the God of this world. It takes faith to get in my hard copy Bible and study the real Jesus and realize that he's not like what I see going on in the world around me. That takes faith. 
He wants you to start living by faith in who he is and what he's done for you. At Highway, we talk a lot about three things, who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him. Those three simple things cover every area of your life. Who he is, his true nature, not a man-made statue, but the living Christ. He's the same. He's just like he was in Matthew, except he has a glorified body now. But his nature and will is the same. What he's done for you, which we're going to look at in detail, and who you are in him. When you begin to focus on these things, then faith comes. You see, you need to be hearing messages like you're hearing now regularly, weekly in your life. And play them on your phone and watch them online. You need ministries in your life that will give you the real Jesus, not religious tradition. Ministries that will tell you he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Jesus in Mark is the Jesus that loves you today. And he will respond to you in just the same way. The leper came to him and said, if it be your will, you can make me clean. And he reached out and he touched him without hesitation. He said, of course I'm willing. Be clean. Same Jesus. See, you can come to him when you know how much he loves you and you know his nature. Well, you don't know. I don't know if I can. Can I come to him? What's he going to do to me? Is he going to hurt me? Is he going to punish me? No, he's going to love me. He's going to reveal himself to me. He's going to bring wholeness into my life because he's a good father. Romans 10, 17 says this. Let me put it up there. So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. That's how faith comes. Faith is not something you try and work up by, by you know, um, that's not how you work up faith. Faith is hearing about the goodness of God. Faith comes when you hear that it's His will for you to be well. Faith comes when you hear it's His will for you to be forgiven, to be clean, and to be free from sin. It's like, oh, what? Tell me more. You mean, you mean he's not condemning me, that I can come to him as I am and, and be clean and free from my past? Yes. You may have never heard that from. You can be free from your past today through simple faith in Christ. You start hearing that. It's like, tell me more. Is this too good to be true? It's too good to not be true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So you need to be hearing this. You know, we, we, we don't have any, that I'm aware of, religious traditions here at Highway. This is, we're, we're, when we come, we're coming to eat fresh, hot Jesus. That's why we gather. We gather to feast on the salvation that God has provided for us through His Son. When you come, you're going to hear the good news. I don't have any bad news to give you. Jesus doesn't have any bad news to give you. He's provided for you more than you can ever ask or imagine or think. So when you come, you have to come ready to eat and to receive from Him.
And I know this is a day of the year, that the one day that, that more people come to church probably than any other day. So this might be your, your, your day for this year. But I want to encourage you to change that. And come to a place like Highway where you're going to be built up in the goodness of God. Where you're going to be empowered to know Him through the fullness of His gospel. Not through man's religious reasonings and religious doctrines. But through the truth of God's love for you. Now we're going to take a look at Jesus on the cross. Alright? And see what He was doing there. He was doing for you. This is good news. Let's go to Matthew chapter 27 on Easter morning and look at Jesus on the cross. Matthew 27. We'll start in verse 45. And I, I get the, the once a day church thing. Believe me, I do. Um, and, and man, the church I went, went to, to growing up, is like going once a day was too much for me. Really, I was like, uh, once, a, once a year, excuse me, yeah, once a year. I was like, do I have to? I don't care if it's Easter. Do I have to go? That place is boring. It's heavy. I don't feel good when I go there. I feel condemned. I feel like I can never get to God. This is what I felt as a kid. I couldn't tell my parents that. I feel like God is really far away when I go there. I don't want to go. I don't care what day it is. This is how I felt as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old. I never said anything, but I remember how I felt. <laughs> That's not how, how it should be. When we gather, it should be a place of life, hope, confidence, strength, faith, and victory. Because Christ is the one we worship. Hallelujah. You see, the enemy's tactic is to keep you away from what you're hearing this morning. Because the more you hear it, the stronger you're going to get. He loves to uh, isolate, to make afraid, so that he can separate and confuse. That's what he does. And boy, did he do a good job of that this past year, didn't he? Through fear, he, he, a lot of people listened to him and gave in to isolation, which caused separation and confusion. I've talked to some people in the last few months, they sound like they're like different people than they were 14 months ago because they've been separated and they, they cut off the voices they needed in their life to move forward in God's plan for their lives. So church is a whole different thing to me. It has been for the last 30 years. I don't come out of religious obligation. I come to eat. I come to fill myself up with the reality of His love for me. Matthew chapter 27, verse 45. At this point, Jesus is on the cross. He's already been scourged severely. Isaiah says, marred more than any man. And it says in verse 45, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. We're talking about middle of the day, noon. Dark like night. Why? Jesus became sin on that cross.
He became sin on that cross. We're going to read the scriptures. Don't get mad at me, but that's what happened. Verse 46. And about the ninth hour, about 3 p.m., Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. I think that's Italian. Just kidding. (laughs) Which means in English, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Huh? This is Jesus talking. I want you to see this. For the past three plus years, Jesus, God in the flesh, was healing, delivering, and setting people free. And he never referred to his Father as God. He talked to him as Father. The first time we see him talking to him as God is right here. Why is that important? The intimacy was broken. Believing in God won't help you. Knowing him as Father will make you whole. My God, my God, as when we're caught up in sin, we don't understand God. We think he's far away. We think he's failed us. And we think we're separate from him. So Jesus became sin and he gave voice to this reality by saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The scriptures in 2 Corinthians 5.21 teach us this and other places throughout the scriptures. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he, meaning God the Father, for God the Father made him, meaning God the Son, Jesus, for God the Father made Jesus who knew no sin, never sinned, perfect, he was perfect, he God the Father made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. Wow. Are you kidding me? No. Couldn't be more serious. Jesus was made sin on the cross. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. I was Bound in sin. Bound in it. Smashed, getting smashed, pornography, playing in nightclubs as a teenager. And about 17, somehow I heard someone said something about God loving me, and it wasn't in a church. And about knowing God, and my heart went, huh? And somehow, and I didn't know them, the Holy Spirit was moving in my life. I had a hope that I could somehow know God. As, as messed up, as bound, as, as much of a loser as I was, there is a 17-year-old young man, just a little bit that I heard, is actually uh, out somewhere at night, and someone said a little something to me. And I was like, in my heart, my heart just leaps and, wait, can I know God? 
I didn't say anything to them at that point. But I began to talk to God on my own. And as bound as I was in sin and, and in my family, there were uh, various relatives who there was a lot of alcoholism going on. But I just began to talk to God and say, God, show yourself to me. I want to know you. Are, can, can I know you? I want to know who you really are. I don't want to know what my church or who they say you are. I want to know who you are. This is me, 17 years old, just talking to God out at walking at night. No Bible. I didn't know the Bible, unfortunately until two years later. And it, and it was about two, well, maybe almost three years later, right before my 20th birthday, that I actually got hold of a Bible. But that whole time I was talking to God, I was saying, God, show yourself to me. That was my constant request. Show yourself to me. And when I had a life decision to make, I'd say, God, what's your will for my life? I didn't call him Father. I, that was no way. I couldn't, that was too much for me. I'd say, God, what's your will for my life? And I do what I think he was leading me to do. And it changed the path of my life. And then someone put a Bible in my hand, and I began to read for myself and learn about the real Jesus, who was so different from the tradition I grew up in, which was very popular, very well-known tradition all around the world. But I actually read for myself what Jesus actually said, and I thought, what? That's not what the ministers told me. What? They said Jesus said this, but he didn't say that at all. In fact, he said something the opposite of that. Man, it pays to read your Bible, to know the real Jesus. My point is this, as I became to know him, I didn't stand there saying, I've got to stop sinning. I can't sin anymore. I can't sin anymore. I know it's bad. I can't sin anymore. I didn't even think about it. My focus became knowing him. And guess what? All that junk fell off of my life. Didn't even try and stop it. I became consumed with his love for me. Hallelujah. And I learned that he gave me a new nature when I put my faith in him. That I was born again that my spirit was now new and sin had no power over me anymore. And I want you to realize that same thing. Sin has no power over you. No, it doesn't. Why do I keep doing it then? Because you don't realize who you really are. Stop trying to stop trying to sin. Stop trying to stop trying to sin. You get me? Start focusing on who you are in him. He made, so what I, what I would begin, I began saying is I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. And I would write these scriptures down in my notebook and I'd meditate. I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Where's that in the Bible? in Romans 2, isn't it, right? Romans chapter 6. Roman also is what I meant, not chapter 2. Romans also, it's in Romans chapter 6, right? We're dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. When you realize who you are, you'll realize sin has no hold on you. Too many people trying to stop sinning instead of meditating on who they are in Christ. 
the other one doesn't work, the latter always works. It always works. It always works. It's, and see, that's how faith comes. Faith comes from the knowledge of who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, we're still talking about Jesus on the cross, right? Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14, we're, we're inserting these verses, we're going to stay in Matthew, but as we look at Jesus on the cross, we're going to get some other scriptures to, to, to clarify what Jesus was doing on that cross. Hebrews 2.14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, Jesus himself, likewise took part of the same. Jesus became flesh and blood, right? That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil. Death is the devil's idea. God made man to live forever. It was Satan that brought death to the human race. It was man who accepted it. Do you know that? Death is contrary to God. It's an enemy of God. It's never God's will. No, God did not take your loved one away to, to make them a garden, in, a flower in his garden in heaven. It's not true. God doesn't do things like that. If someone died prematurely, it was not the will of the Father. You need to know that. God doesn't operate that way. He doesn't take our loved ones away for some mysterious divine purpose. He's a good Father. You won't, in fact, it's the opposite. When you see God in the flesh at a funeral, the one who's in the casket gets up. Study Jesus. Come on. Don't try and explain life with man's religious doctrine. Study Jesus. If he comes to a funeral, whoever's in that casket's going to get up. Resurrection life. This is the God we worship. He's the God of life, not death. He's the God of light, not darkness. Hallelujah. Airplane. Sound like an organ chord to me there. I was ready to start moving. Play that organ, Eden. Yeah, so death is of the devil, right? Satan's the god of this world. Satan's the one who wants people to die before their time, prematurely. Jesus said, he who believes in me will not die, will never die. Where's that at in the Bible? Did I make it up? John chapter 11. Read it. Change your life. And deliver them. So Jesus took on flesh and blood to defeat the devil, to defeat the power of death, to deliver those who through fear of death, that's what this isolation has been about this past year. Everybody afraid I'm going to die. Got to cover my face with a diaper because I'm afraid I'm going to die. That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lives subject to bondage. As long as you're afraid of death, bondage is going to be on your trail. I don't know why, but some, they've, been, they've been blocking a lot of our YouTube videos last year. I'm, I'm just going to assume it's a technological area error 
But I'm here to tell you the fear that's been propagated in these last 14 months is, is from spirits of darkness. These overreaching public policies are not based in medical science. They're based in fear. To deliver those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Have you elevated what God says above what man has said? I mean, what if man has 10 degrees, 10 different degrees from the greatest schools in the world? Do you elevate what God says above what man says? What if all of the media is supporting what these people are saying? Have you elevated what God said above every corporation, above every political figure? I want to encourage you to do so. That's when real life begins. Because man is confused and lost and has an agenda, and it's not resurrection life. Deliver those who through fear of death were all their life subject to bondage. Resurrection life will deliver you from all fear. All fear. Gone. His perfect love casts out fear. Where's that in the Bible? Close. Someone said John. It's 1 John, right? 1 John chapter 4. It's actually on my wedding ring on the inside. Verse 18, I believe it is. I can't get my ring off, so I don't know. <laughs> it's 1 John 4, 18. Hallelujah. What was he doing on that cross? Colossians 2, 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. All of us have sinned. All of us fell short of the glory of God. We all deserve the punishment that Jesus took. Sin deserves punishment. Let's be real. Murder deserves punishment. Stealing deserves punishment. Lying deserves punishment. Right? We know that. It's just that, and it's right for that to be that way. Because sin brings death. Sin hurts. Things breaks. Sin ruins things. So there has to be a punishment for it to deter people from doing it, right? Sin brings death. The wages of sin is death. So we don't pretend there's no punishment for sin. We realize there is a punishment for sin. And Jesus became that, took it for us. He was blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. In other words, God knew we blew it. You, ha you can't surprise God. He knows your deepest, darkest secrets. We sometimes think He doesn't, but He does. We're all naked before Him, right? We have no secrets before God. So stop being self-conscious and just come to Him and say, help me. Teach me how good you are. Show me your love. Lead me forward in you. So God knew we blew it, and He knew we deserved punishment. Death is what we earned, all of us. None of us are exempt from that. We've all blown it. So he put his son on the cross and he transferred our punishment onto his son so that you and I could live in an intimate relationship with him for the rest of eternity, free from the fear of punishment and death. 
Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How do I know if I'm in Christ Jesus? Good question. You should have a certificate in your glove box. Do you have one? Uh, then you're not in Christ. You need that certificate. No. How do, if I know, how do I know if I'm in Christ? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I've put my faith in Him as my Lord. I believe that He rose from the dead, and I have declared with my mouth, Jesus, Lord of my life. Not as a church ritual, but with my heart, of my own free will. I said, Jesus, be Lord of my life. I believe you rose from the dead for me. Show yourself to me. If you've done that and you were sincere in your heart, you're in Christ. But listen, just because you've done that doesn't mean everything's going to change. You've got to grow in that. You've got to grow in the knowledge of what he did for you. I mean, you can take an automobile engine apart in front of me. I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know how to put it back together. I'd have to learn what goes where so I can put it together. When you're reading the Scriptures, you're learning about all the, the things that God has provided for you, and you learn how to put it together and walk in victory. This is the manual for resurrection life. And you're not going to understand it all, ever. But you will begin to understand the things you need to understand when you need to understand them. I don't know everything. I never will. That's not our goal. Our goal is to know Him. His nature, His will, His voice. If I just know He said it, I don't need to know how that's going to happen. I don't need to know all the, the things that need to take place for it to happen. I just need to say yes. To him because he's God and he can do it right it takes all the pressure off you our goal in life is not to know everything our goal in life is not to be the most educated person our goal in life is to be intimate with the one who made us lives are being changed right now right here right now it's happening all in here See, this is what you've got to get, uh, understand. Most of the time when God moves, it's going to be in here, in your life. There's not going to be spotlights and fireworks and trumpets and guitars. It's going to be in here, and, and, and other people won't even know what's going on. It's this still, small voice inside that transforms you. And it can happen right in the middle of Hannaford's. When you're getting your avocados. How many people like avocado toast, huh? Some olive oil, crushed red pepper on there. Okay. It can happen right in the middle of the produce section, baby. Being transformed in the produce section. Come on. But seriously, 
get used to this internal transformation. This is where God speaks to your heart. Now, the, the English Bible is translated heart, but in the original languages, they say your kidneys. If you'll read through the, the original language, they say, your, in other words, they're, they're being figurative. They're talking about your spirit, the innermost part of you. That's where transformation takes place. Hallelujah. The Passion Translation of verse 14. Are you ready? We're still in Colossians 2.14. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record. <laughs> Can I tell you a funny story? Oh, I was a mess growing up. I'll tell you, I don't think I've ever told this from the pulpit before, but here I go. <laughs> so I'm probably like 16, 17 years old. I, I'm, I'm a mess. My home's a mess. I just don't want to be there. Been through all kinds of stuff. So I get, try and get smashed as much as I can. And, and I and about maybe, I don't know, 15 other guys were smashed and just walking because I don't think I had a driver's license yet, so that's good. Um, and we're walking through this public park that had rides like a roller coaster and train and arcade. And uh, I'm talking about violations against you. Just so you know, we're in Colossians. And we, it's nighttime, and we get to this park. We're cutting through because it was a shortcut. As soon as we get in this park, one of the guys screams, let's trash the park. That's the PG version. And, uh, and all of a sudden, everyone just took off and started vandalizing and destroying property, flipping over arcade machines, this train, just to just trash the place. I mean, so the next day in, in school, front page of the paper, they were showing the damage done to this park. It was like, and this is back in, I don't know, 1985, somewhere in there. So it's a long time ago. And it was something like thirty or $40,000 worth of damage. And back then, that was a big deal. And it was a little park. And as a result, the police came to my school and, and uh, read us our rights. They heard about somehow they found out, they found out well, everyone's going around saying, look what we did, holding the paper up, you know. So they, they figured out who did it. And so we had to go to court. Talking about the violations that are against you. But now, <laughs> oh, it's funny. I grew up in, a, in, a, in an Italian family. And sometimes in Italian families you have connections. That's all I'm going to say. My last name was Bosco. I was Louis' boy. Well, the chief of police in my town was related to Bosco. And Bosco knew an Italian lawyer. So Louis arranged a private meeting with the chief of police and a lawyer and me. And we went in behind closed doors, and I was excused from the whole thing. 
I don't think I've ever told that before in public. I don't think any of these people are still alive, so it's okay. <laughs> so I think they're in heaven. <laughs> but what happened? I had, I had representation, private representation before the chief of police. And I just didn't have to show up in court. I was just gone. So the violations that were against me were removed. <laughs> but I want you to know that sin is a major violation. It's a felony that's punishable by death. And that violation has been removed from you. Is it still on the screen? Yeah. He canceled out every legal violation. You know, Jesus is your lawyer. You have connections in high places. You're God the Father's boy. Every legal violation we had on our record in the old arrest warrant that, sh that stood to indict us, he erased it all. Hey, that's what happened to me. Hello. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Hallelujah. Verse, back to Matthew now, verse 47. Some of those who stood there, when they heard that uh, what he said, remember, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They said, this man's calling for Elijah. They had no idea what was going on. Immediately, one of them uh, ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again. He was made sin now. This is, this is our sin. With a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He let go. Do you know they didn't kill Jesus? He let them do what they did to him so that the price of our sin could be paid. And then he knew it was time and he let go. He yielded his spirit to the Father. Now, verse 51 uh, let's see, that was verse 50. Yield up his spirit, verse 51. We've got time. Let me just give you a couple of scriptures before we go to 51. So again, verse 50 is Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Well, in John chapter 10, verses 10 and 11, it describes what he did right there. Verse 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. Who's the thief? Satan, right? Thief of all thieves. He said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That's what he was doing right there in verse 50 of Matthew 27. Now, if you keep reading in John 10, verse 17, he says, therefore, right, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. He knew there is 
a resurrection coming, right? No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Do we have that up there? Good. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. All right, let's finish our passage in Matthew, verse 51 of chapter 27. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. What is the significance of the veil in the temple? It's good to learn this from your Bible. In, in the Old Testament, about 400-some years after Abraham, who's the father of our faith, came one called Moses, right? Moses led God's people out of Egypt. By this time, their heart had become so hard. They were so stubborn and rebellious against God. God had to give them the Ten Commandments. And he implemented a system of worship personally to Moses. Moses met with God. You can read about this in your Bible. Where's that at in the Bible? Moses meeting with God. Who can help me? Exodus, absolutely. Second book, the Old Testament, right? He met with God personally for 40 days and 40 nights twice. And God gave him a system of worship that they were to follow. And it was to to show them their need for a Savior. Well, part of that system of worship was the tabernacle, okay? In the tabernacle, you had the outer court, which is where the sacrifices took place, okay? Then beyond the, the, the outer court, you walked into the holy place, which in the holy place is where the priests would prepare things. You had the, the candelabra. You had the showbread. But beyond the holy place, there was a veil, Beyond that veil was the Holy of Holies. That veil, they say, was so strong that you could put a team of oxen on both sides and they couldn't tear it. It was made of the finest materials. It was very thick, very heavy. Well, that's the veil that kept man from the presence of God. Because if man in his fallen state were to walk into the presence of God, he would die. So they had to put a rope on the high priest when he went in once a year. He could only go once a year. And if he did anything wrong, he would drop dead. They couldn't go in to get him. They had to pull him out. This is the reality of sin. Okay? This veil in the temple was torn when Jesus gave himself for us from the top to the bottom, from God to man. What does that mean? There's nothing keeping you from coming into the Holy of Holies anymore. God's presence is available to you because of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 And the graves were opened, verse verse 52, when Jesus said, yield up his so earthquake took place, rocks were splitting, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. This is God's will. He doesn't put them in the grave, He gets them out of it, right? And coming out of the grave after His resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Hallelujah. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. 
resurrection life. Christ came so that you could be resurrected and start living a new life today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. You did what needed to be done. We had no idea how devastating sin really is. We had no idea how lost we were. We had no idea of the pain and the, the confusion and the, the darkness that were surrounding us. But Father, you knew what we needed and you sent your Son for us. You asked him to lay down his glory and come to earth as a man in flesh and blood and to reveal your nature to us for over three years in his ministry and then to become the Lamb of God, to, to, to take on our scourging, our stripes, and to become our sin on that cross so that access to you would be permanently open to anyone who believes. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of His goodness, who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you. 